This podcast is produced by EnergeticCity.ca, your only local and independent news in Northeast BC. To support local news and this podcast, go to EnergeticCity.ca slash join to find out more. Welcome to the podcast Secrets of the North, a podcast about true crime in Northern BC, recorded on the traditional and unceded territory of the Dene Zaz people. I'm your host, Emily Gallen. And I'm your co-host, Janelle Opryshinsky. Our podcast may contain mature content. Listener discretion is advised. What's up, Janelle? Hey. How you doing? I'm so good. Good. Well, last time we chatted was before Remembrance Day. What's going on? I mean, what's what's been in your butt since then? Not a whole bunch. Just it's unfortunate. Yeah, just busy with school and. Okay, what are you taking yucks. again? Um, I am in school for uh, just a little diploma. Business um, diploma. No human resource and oh. payroll accounting. Oh yes, very oh. applicable, very applied skills. I like this. I love this for you. Yes. Okay. Um. Well, that's cool beans. I have here written in my updates something about you growing up with a serial killer in Leduc, and you must have mentioned this last time. Uh, yeah, so it's not confirmed okay. that there is a serial killer. There's just been, in my time growing up in the area of Leduc, a lot of bodies okay. were like popping up. I Tell like, me The more. one that I remember the most was I had just graduated high school. I think it was 2014 or 2015. Okay. And a female had been found... Um, down in a space that we called Whiskey Hill. I'm not too sure like what the actual area was called. That's just what we always called it. You could like go like BMX biking there um, and also like where we all partied and stuff. Yeah, like Canadian kids, small towns. Exactly. So it was like the the little spot where you went and partied, Whiskey Hill, whatever. And um, there was, of course, like a big burn pit down there and there was a couch and a female (laughs) was found on... Like, from what I remember, she was found, like, on the couch. Um, She was 27 years old. I don't remember her name, unfortunately, but I do remember when I was recently reading it, I just felt really impacted by it because I'm 27 now. So when it happened, I was only 18, but reading back to it and being the same age as her now, it's just like, frick, she was so young. Like, I don't think I recognized that when it happened. And she had signs of, like, ligature marks on her wrists and ankles. And she had been missing since she was, like, 16 years old. Oh, God. So there was a large speculation that she had been held in captivity this whole time. Very, I mean, not common. Very, I'd say that's pretty uncommon to actually be abducted and held for a long period of time. Yeah, I mean, it's not, like, the number one thing that happens, but I can guarantee you right now there's probably, like, five people in captivity in Canada right now, at a minimum. Oh, I've been... Isn't that gross to think about? Yeah, and because I was listening to Small Town Dicks, um... They just did some on, involved a kid, so it's just even worse. Mm -hmm. Barf. Do you find it funny how you kind of relate to different victims, even if it's just like, oh, the same age? Like, I'm the same age. So then you think of, oh, wow, like that was young. Like at the time, I thought she was so much older because I was 18. And now you're like, holy shit. Like, yeah, like 27. That's nothing. You've had no life yet. And I, I think that's exactly it you really don't think like anyone is young when you're young like when you're very young you're like everyone is old yeah and then as you get older you're like oh no no (laughs) i'm still so young i like to relate this to a dresser that i had as a kid this dresser was so tall like i'm like this this fucking dresser was tall man i used to climb on it 
you get older and older and older and it's just it's it's not tall at yeah. all it's like yeah maybe chest height like but you know i mean i guess that's just a, like physics uh, people growing I think, yeah i think that's what happens unfortunately with us i mean i i get it i think i always think of that with my dad like i remember my dad just being so big when i was little yeah. like his hands compared to my hands were so big and um, like I'm the same height as my father as an adult. Like my so dad, like, my dad lessons. is not a very large man. Like I mean, is he's he still king? taller than me. Um, he's probably like five six, five seven. Shout out Richard, love you. So yeah, much. Richard, short yeah, king. yeah. He's definitely just like not got the height. I mean, I tower over my grandparents, and so does he. So like he's h- tall for our family. Bless his yeah. little small heart. Oh, I yeah. When he's next to Trey, it's oh that would be amazing. It's amazing. For listeners, Trey's uh, her husband, and he's a, he's a, he's a quite tall, he's gigantic. Yeah, he's it's a amazing. Very, very we tall love man. that. We love that about him. Okay, well, I'm going to take you over to the missing persons corner now, Janelle. Okay, okay. and I'm going to smish, 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 take a little twisty on this because there, yes, there are missing people in like northern BC or BC right now. But what I did see actually was a um, public interest warning about a dangerous sex offender. Yeah, so I thought we'd bring that up. Um, I'll post it on Instagram, his photo, and just so everyone else can share it and be aware, it's down in the, I believe, Surrey area, so not close to us, but, you know, still good to know about. Um, Okay, Surrey RCMP actually issued a public interest warning under the Privacy Act of Canada because there is a sex offender who poses a high risk to reoffend in the area of the Lower Mainland. This gentleman's name is Brian Abrosimo, and he was released from prison in November. Oh, today. He was November 23rd. Today. He was released from prison today in the Lower Mainland, and he's now residing in Surrey. So Brian's 61 years old. He did do a 18-year prison sentence. It was for a laundry list of items. We got sexual assault, kidnapping, unlawful confinement, assault with a weapon, sexual assault with a weapon, oh God, forcible confinement, and he was placed on a 10-year-long term supervision order, which expires in October 2030. So, Yes, he's under a supervision order. Because when you get out of jail, sometimes your sentence isn't finished, right? So then you'll have a parole officer, etc. This is what it sounds like he has. It's obviously bad enough that they're putting this statement out there. They only, I only see them do this with the worst of the worst. Yes. And I do have to say the fact that he served 18 years in prison for sexual assault also just shows like the severity of it because yep. our system does not take sexual assault too seriously when it comes to Not jail enough. time no nope. in my opinion so oh we always see those um, cases yeah. like, oh six years for two rape. years yeah. oh yeah sentenced to six served two sentenced yep. to five served one like yep. little things like that always happen and i'm going to go out on a very strong limb here and say that it must have involved someone underage because later on when you read through the articles um it says that he actually can't be with or near anyone or in a public place with anyone under the age of 18. So if you do see this gentleman, and we'll put him on Instagram, and if you see him anywhere near schools, swimming pools, with anyone that looks under 18, uh, even with a sex worker, um, he is in, he would be in violation, and they actually tell you to phone 911. Wow. Yeah, they not even the department. Yeah, they no say just crime phone stoppers, 911. no nothing, just 911 immediately see him doing something spooky. Yes, yeah. And I don't know if you saw online, but there was a sex offender who just like escaped his halfway house down in that Burnaby area, down okay. like the lower mainland Ooh. BC. He was found. They found him. Yes. Yeah. I don't know. 
Yeah, fuck you, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Another bad one. Like, yeah. And and then you get to the whole issues of like, why is he on parole? We're not going to get into that. But yeah, that guy sucks ass. We don't like him. And just keep an eye out on him. Yeah. And put him back away if you see him doing anything that's violating his parole. 100%. All right. All right, Janelle. Are you ready for Crime Corner? Yeah. We're going to get in the time machine again. We're going in the time machine. We're getting in that time machine. Wee, 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 wee. I've been loving these old cases. Yeah. So I searched for old crimes again in this area. And I actually got all this information was from one article, one, say, journal research article done by the South Peace Historical Society. Cool. So, yeah, that's just so you know, that's where this information is coming from. And... I decided to put a theatrical twist to it. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm excited. Yeah. So it's, I'm going to say a work of, uh, based on true story, but maybe a work of art. Okay. A little storytelling. Okay. All right. I don't know if an accent is going to pop out or not, but oh, we'll man. see. Oh, man. If a translandic accent starts happening, I won't be mad. Hey, hey, come get your hey, newspapers. Once upon a time, you little. How, my God. See, you could do it. I can't do it. Okay. Here we go. Once upon a time in the frigid northern Alberta, there was a fellow named John Winnichuk. Now, old John disappeared around the same time the Titanic went down in the summer of 1918. People thought he traded his cowboy hat for a city slicker suit, hoping to find a job where he didn't have to muck around in the cold. But there was one person who smelled something fishy in the air, and that was Corporal McLean of the Alberta Provincial Police. You see, he heard through the grapevine that John and his neighbor Frank Swidarski weren't exactly playing nice. So McLean decided to play detective. When McLean dropped by Winnichuck's place, he wasn't surprised to find it empty. But when he stepped into the bedroom, he was hit with a sight that would make even the bravest cowboy quiver. A pillow that looked like it had seen more action than a saloon brawl, complete with a bullet hole right through the middle. McLean went all Sherlock Holmes, searching high and low, but no John Winnichuck was ever found in sight. What he did find, though, was enough evidence to give Frank Swidowski a run for his money. So McLean roped Swidowski in and hauled him back to Grand Prairie, Alberta. Now picture this, Janelle. The local police magistrate, nowhere to be found. And so the neighborhood justice of the peace had to step in. He slapped a warrant on Swidowski and threw him in that slammer for three days. But you won't believe what happened next. Tell me. Tell me, baby. Swidowski, feeling cornered, sent for the justice of the peace. He claimed... He had something to get off his chest. The justice of the peace gave him the usual spiel of self-incrimination. Swardowski still spilled the beans. He confessed to shooting Winnichuk during an argument. And then, get this, he loaded the body into a wheelbarrow and tossed it into the Beaver Lodge River. Mm-mm. Uh-uh. Not nice. No, he did not. not like that. Now, here comes the little twist in our cowboy tale. Earlier that year, there had been other murders in Grand Prairie, Alberta, which isn't too far away. Swardowski had been spotted buying live fowl on the same day as those killings. So Detective Irvine, who was on the case as well, went back to the crime scene and checked out that blood-soaked pillow. A bullet fell out of it like a surprise party trick, and the wheelbarrow was full of bloodstains. It's not covering his tracks very well. They searched the river, which had finally calmed down from its flood stage, but there was still no sign of the body. It was as if he vanished into thin air. And he wasn't the only one trying to vanish. Apparently, Swardowski 
had made a run for it. Sadowski was in prison when he made a run for it, and so they had to search for hours, but no luck. Turns out, the jailbreak artist had cornered a rookie constable weaver and made a break for it. Instead of sliding his dinner through the little jail cell window, Weaver swung the door wide open, and the prisoner took that chance and zipped on out of there. As the manhunt continued, they drove all over the place, talked to locals, and followed many leads, but this elusive fugitive was one slippery critter. In the end, Swardowski got nabbed, and he was found guilty of murder. They couldn't produce Winnichuk's body, but with a confession and the river search story, it was enough to put the guilty stamp on him. Some say it was the first case in Canadian history where they convicted someone of a murder without finding the body. So I looked into some Canadian convictions of murder where there was no body. And according to Wikipedia, the first one I saw was noted in 1992, far after this 1918 murder. This victim's name was Elizabeth Bain, and she went missing in Ontario. Her boyfriend was accused and sentenced, but actually they did a retrial in 2018 after new evidence came forward and he was released. So these definitely aren't common cases, Janelle, but they are extremely interesting to me. Yeah, definitely. Oh, what do you what do you think what do you think about these homeboys? Of my short little tale, my quick I, little tale. I mean, it obviously sounds like what his original confession was is exactly what happened. Yes. And I mean a river, they move so fast. And they, it was in the flood season when he may have disposed of the body. It yeah. does not surprise me that they didn't find him. Like, I unfortunately, know. he probably get uh, absorbed into the elements at that point. Mm -hmm. And like, what do you think about convicting people without a body? If there is like, without a doubt, compelling evidence, mm -hmm. I am more than okay with it. Yeah, me too. Because there's nothing wrong with convicting someone who disposed of a body too well. Yeah. Like... Oh no, you you got rid of the body too good. Guess you're not guilty. Like, yeah, you're no. Not, right? <laughs> you're just as guilty, if not even more so, because you've now robbed the family and that person of ever having their body returned to their loved ones. Yeah. That's a worse crime almost, like when it comes to the horrific details of murder. Yeah. yeah. And it, it does seem like to convict somebody without a body, you have to have an insane amount of uh, evidence, right? Yes, exactly. So that blood would have worked, the bullet hole, and the confession all together. Obviously, that's going to help. In today's age, it's extremely difficult. Um, but I'm really wondering if that's something that they should look into about our missing Abigail Andrews from Fort St. John, who went missing in 2010. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not going to go too far into this because I really want to do an offshoot series that focuses solely on Abigail Andrews. Maybe a mini-series, something like that. Um, and I would love to know if or how they could go about getting conviction without finding her remains. Since it has been 13 years since she went missing, uh, I don't know if time has something to play with it. People, you know, that they're going to want to say, oh, this person just went missing. They moved away. They're an adult on their own volition. No, not in her case. You know, we have too many people coming forward saying evidence saying things that definitely contradict to that you know no i don't know a single person that thinks abigail left on her own accord oh yeah and in so many of these cases and all these missing people that we have all over canada a lot of the times like the family and the people will say like no like this there's no way that they left um and then you you know the husband the boyfriend did it but that frustration especially when you have and the police have just one suspect honed in on and they just have no body. And so 
for whatever reason, maybe they don't have enough uh, circumstantial or enough evidence even to bring it forward. Yeah. Oh, she wild, you know? Yes, yeah, she crazy out there. She crazy out there. Well, let's hear a word from our crazy sponsors before you can spook me out a little bit. Love it. All right. <laughs> Personal, powerful conversations that deserve to be listened to. Before the Peace is an energeticcity.ca podcast now available on all major platforms that highlights Indigenous voices in Northeast BC. Hosts Jenna Moreland and Trey Lapashinsky will take you on a journey with an Indigenous lens on the history of the Peace region. Find out more, go to energeticcity.ca slash before the peace. Check out all of our podcasts, go to energeticcity.ca slash podcasts. Welcome back, Janelle. Hello, welcome. Thank Hello you so again. much. So spooky time. Oh, spooky dokey. Take me to spooky corner, Janelle, please. Yeah. So today I'm going to talk about, actually, it is a place in northern Canada. We're going to be going out to Edmonton today. Okay. Just a um, little eight-hour jaunt yeah. from us. It is also um, partially where I grew up. Yep. I am from the Edmonton area, and I do have some personal experience involved with this building that I'm about to talk oh. to you about. Okay. Um, so everybody loves a ghost story. Duh. Who doesn't? Um, and basically the Charles Camsell Hospital in Edmonton, Canada is notorious for sightings. Is that still working? Like, is it still a it hospital is that's not, around? No, it's not actively a hospital, but okay. it is still an upright building. It okay. does still exist. Um, and do they do tours? No. So originally let me give you some history on it yeah tell me about it um it was built pretty early in the 1900s and it was actually used as like a military base for a while um, and eventually it ended up becoming um what was labeled as an indian sanatorium so it was oh. where all indigenous people were sent who had tuberculosis oh it became a tb hospital oh, for yeah. with just a little uh, racial segregation yes Classic. so it was like only indigenous children women men went okay. and i'm sure there were more than just indigenous people there probably but, minorities uh, yeah i think it but it was mainly sent for that and of course as i mentioned it was called not the best word um and that ran between 46 and 66 So they did have it for about 20 years of just, and like if, as we know, the history with our indigenous members of the community have been not a very positive experience. I can only imagine the negativity and abuse that went with the walls of that hospital. It, and, and TB itself is just just so horrific. Yes. The TB itself, you keep hearing about, or I keep hearing about these sanitariums that, uh, and I believe they say things about like the energy of those people who had TB. Yeah. Kind of almost like soaked into the walls. I don't, you're the, you know, this is yeah, your corner. Yeah, it's just but... like that energy, right? Like the yeah. energy really does just seep into the bones of that place. That hospital is filled with asbestos. So, I mean, Classic. let's just soak right into yes. that, right? Um, there was actually a Canadian TV show that was kind of supposed to be like like a Canadian version of Scrubs that was filmed oh. within the hospital. Um, I can't remember. I can actually, I Classic didn't look Canadian. up anything on it, but this is just like yeah knowledge that's popping into my brain right now. I actually forgot about it. Well, there was a space of the hospital that was still like okay enough later on because this was like in the 2000s okay. that they decided to do like a little show in there. Um, I do also know that they're like in, within my lifetime when I was younger, they tried to do like some renovations. Oh, let me guess. Um, That's when some spooky and shit some happened. And some stuff started happening. Yeah. There was actually a construction worker who died on oh. site. 
Um, and a lot of people speculate that like he was spooked by something because he fell down like an elevator shaft. And just the way that it happened, it didn't seem like very oh God, normal. I, first like, off, elevator shafts. I hate them. Yeah. Second, elevators. I hate them. We hate them. Third, I always think that I'm going to die in an elevator. Yeah. I'm not. No. Probably not. But I think I am. No, they're spooky. It's in my nightmares all the fucking yeah, time. Yeah, no, it's super spooky. Do you know any more about this man who fell down the, the shaft? The couple things that I saw online said that it happened in the 80s. Um, even though the hospital was open until 1996, I think that they had already begun some renovations. And the only article that I could find um, was that his name was Brian. He was a construction worker from Ontario, and he fell off of the roof, actually. Ooh. Um, so really, really tragic there. That's really just a, a horrible way to go. Um, I think though the whole building just has that very sinister vibe. Yeah. Um, I know that it just, it's a, just a negative area of the city where this hospital lives. It's like okay. it's tainted the soil. Is it like run down around the area? Um, it's not crazy. Like in the surrounding area, there's a lot of like older war style homes where a lot okay. of like the nurses lived. Oh, yeah. And um, it's in like the Westmount area of Edmonton, if anybody knows where that is. Um, it's kind of pretty close to like where you get to like the inner city space. It is very, very close to 118th Ave. And that is like a very popular negative area of Edmonton. Um, so it definitely has like some pretty scuzzy stuff going on, but it has just been empty and abandoned like my entire life pretty much. Like, okay. it, it shut its doors in 1996. And like I said, that show was filmed there for a moment. Um, people have claimed to be hearing like screaming coming from the building, seeing oh, figures in the windows. So they're not really in the building looking. These are kind of stories told from people go walking by. Sure. So okay. I have two personal experiences Tell there and one of them was a friend who actually did go inside because that was the big thing when I was in school it was like oh we drove out to North Edmonton and broke into the old hospital last night and it was like the story of all these people doing it and there were a couple Just boys a little bit you know a classic beanie yeah casual beanie yeah. on a Wednesday night why not all right tell me more and um, so there's two guys that I went to school with and they were about a grade above me I believe I won't mention their names because I'm not in contact with either of them and yeah not not worth the possible lawsuit <laughs> i don't even know but they were very scared and these were like macho boys like volleyball boys definitely were part of like the jock-esque era and like they were both in tears when they were telling like us about what happened they went in and immediately said that it felt as if people were like surrounding them the one boy said that like when they were running, somebody like tried to pull him back in. Oh, Jesus. And he felt as if someone like okay. grabbed his shirt when okay. they were trying to run away. And it's stories like those that pique my interest and attention because it's not just that typical fear of like, oh, I, I'm setting myself, I'm going into an environment that's obviously scary. I'm scared. I'm nervous. I'm going to have the jitters or, oh my God, what's that? And this and this. But when there's those sensations and feelings involved that they're like, they know isn't normal or typical to me that's when i am like i'm more of a believer yeah yeah no i agree and just like seeing how like visceral their reaction was to what they experienced like yeah. i wholeheartedly believe that like what they believe happened to them happened um like you just don't i don't know to bring a 17 year old boy to weep 
in front of girls yeah. in high school, I think you got to be pretty spooked. Yeah, you could tell that it was genuine emotion. So genuine. Um, I did have another group of friends that went and snuck into it, but they got caught like pretty quickly getting, trying to break in because there was like 24 hour surveillance there. There was okay. a person sitting there all the time because it had very much so become like the thing to break into in the early 2000s. Yeah. I wonder if that has to do with like legal reasons why there has to be security because it's, it's an empty building. It's an empty building and it's dangerous. Yeah. Like so if, if things people, are falling apart, there's yeah. asbestos everywhere. If people were to injure themselves and like it could be a huge lawsuit. lawsuit. Okay. Yeah. So I'm assuming that's why they had continuous like security there. Okay. So let's fast forward to, I want to say like maybe around like 2008, 2009. I remember, and this is just like, I, I did go looking into it and I have an update on it. I remember very prominently a global evening with my mom watching global news and they had found bone fragments of children oh, on Jesus. the grounds of the Charles Campbell Hotel. Or hotel. <laughs> <laughs> the Charles Campbell Hospital. Okay. I mean, off the top of my head, I'm saying not if it's on the grounds, especially in the 1900s, you definitely could have unmarked graves, yes. graves on the grounds. So there's like a very, at that time, I remember basically the speculation was that it was indigenous people and specifically indigenous children yep. who had been taken in the 60s scoop, died of TB and okay. their bodies were just buried there because they had no one to go back to and their, and well, they okay. had parents to go back to, but as if the government would give them back to them. Yeah. Um, so they, heaven forbid. Heaven forbid yeah. you live with your family. Um, so like there was just really, really, it was just really sad. Like I remember hearing that they were finding basically like babies that never got to go home. Oh, and, God. and I remember like when all of the stories in the last few years started coming out about the remains at like all the residential schools. Yes. Like Cranbrook, how Camelot. shocked people were. I was like, we knew this. Like we knew, like, what do you, why are you shocked? And all these people who are just ignorant to it, just like blow me away. Um, but I did do some research. I was trying to see if that was very, was real at the hospital. I cannot find anything now that says remains were found in 2021 there was another dig up and it's there was like a cbc article that i found that it said in october of 2021 there were no remains found okay. on the grounds of the charles Campbell hospital why do i keep wanting to say hotel and what's it called again the charles charles Campbell hospital okay 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 so in 2021 they said that they did not find any remains but is that a second dig or oh or was that were they mistaken when it originally happened? Because I have a very strong mm. memory of being a, a, a youth for sure. I was definitely yes, when this happened, like, but, but by maybe ten to fourteen years old, I remember watching a news thing saying that they found bodies at that hospital. Let's dig into that some more. Let's. That'd be interesting to figure out because it does say. I mean, I see here something about a mass grave when I'm just kind of like looking online, but then also it says, yes, no remains uncovered at yeah, the former so site. Yeah, so it's very like wishy-washy because I do very much so remember them being like this mass grave was found, but now in 2021, they're like, no, it's not there. But does that just mean that they I didn't smell find... conspiracy? Yeah, like did they just not find more or were they like rechecking or were they literally just wanting to cover it all up? Okay, I, I mean, I'm hooked. So most recently... Um, I actually had a friend just work at the work site 
Okay. Like, are they rebuilding it? So they are in the middle of restructuring it. Okay. To make it into apartments. Oh, God. So it has, last I saw when I was in Edmonton, it has a end date, I think, of 2026 or 2027 of being built into low-income housing. They're like, we don't want to put the rich people in the spooky apartments. So all of the people who are already struggling. Yeah. Here's some free roommates. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> some free roommates. Classic. So, yeah. Yucky. Rent free, baby. Yucky, yucky. Um, so, I had a friend. She works for a construction company, and they, I think they were putting some cement down or something like that. And she does the part where she, like, when they dig the hole, she does the measuring in the hole, makes sure it's, like, deep enough, all that good stuff. That's when, what she said. Yeah. When they were digging, she actually found a spoon that was stamped with the hospital logo. Oh, So she weird. kept it. Oh, and that's she cool. she took it home. And uh, if that's illegal, no, she didn't. Yeah. But, um, yeah, she found this spoon that was, like, stamped with the, like, Camsel hospital logo. And that uh, is she interesting. And yeah. that would have been really old because... Obviously, it, well, they it wouldn't closed, be doing those. It closed in a thirty over thirty years ago, so and I doubt it was a new one. And I doubt they were stamping spoons any time after, even yeah. in the eighties. It was probably like the fifties during or the heat, the heat during the, the height yeah. of the TB yeah. epidemic, probably that they were going through. Like I'm sure that that spoon yep. was in the mouth of someone who who passed of TB. Like you it don't isn't that they crazy? don't want to um they don't want people to steal their spoon maybe 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 should i start stamping my spoons yes yes excellent with my face yeah so just like lots of little spooky things you know yeah, with this hospital there? so like i said people are seeing people in the windows they're hearing screams i haven't heard of anyone as of recently especially with all the construction physically going into it um but like the ones that i had heard when i was younger like from those two boys of being physically grabbed um, it just really seems like whatever is there is definitely very active. Um, one of my personal experiences with the hospital, I had actually just moved out. I was like 19 um, with my best friend. We moved to an apartment that was on 118th Avenue. Okay. Lord bless us. Horrific experience. It had bed bugs. Ew. It was so bad. We were like these little small town girls moving into the big city. Not yeah, even yeah, thinking that that was a real thing. Like, we were like, bed bugs don't exist. Like, why would you think of that? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so yucky. So just already the apartment from hell. We have a friend over one day, and they're more knowledgeable of this side of the city. Like, we'd never, I'd never been that north in Edmonton before I moved yeah. there. Like, why would I? And we're out. We have this big bay window. And we're looking out and he goes, oh shit, you can see the old Alberta hospital from your front window. And I was like, excuse me? And he's like, yeah. That building right there, that's the Camsel Hospital. And I had never been there. Okay. I had heard about my friends going. I, I didn't drive till I was later, so I never okay. got to go on those high school excursions. I'm very glad I didn't go when my friends got caught. Yeah. Um, and so I didn't know where it was. I didn't know what it looked like. I didn't even realize it was within the city. I thought it was like outside, outside. of the city somewhere. So when he told me that I could look at it every day from my big bay window, I was like, oh, damn. Get yourself some popcorn. So we started going there like every night. Okay. Okay. Oh, this is back in the um, your kind of paranormal hunting days. Yes, it sure is. So we were going there all the time. So just a wet dream for you. Oh God, it was amazing. And we would just do like EVP sessions outside of the fence because there was, of course, a security guard who was there all the time. They had dogs. 
Okay. It was intense. Um, like we even were spoken to once when we were by the fence. He was like, what are you doing? And we're like, we're just looking. And he was like, okay, well. We're doing a paranormal investigation, yeah, bitch. Like, back off. And he was fine with it. Like he was like, we weren't, you know, causing no issues. Okay. But he was like, just don't come on to the actual property, you know. You should have asked him if he has any ghost I stories. wish we would have. I really wish we would have. I think at the time, you know, being like 18, 19, any type of like authority figure walking over to you with dogs, you're just oh, like, God, yeah. <laughs> not doing anything officer yeah. just me and my little dousing rod just looking, just looking um and i do we would always bring like flashlights and okay. shine our flashlights like up into the building to like try to look into the windows and i have a very vague memory of one time we did it and i'm like very sure we saw like what could have been a shadow duck behind but when you're moving your flashlights yeah. it could have also just been a trick of the light and you want yeah. to always think you're yeah. seeing something you want to have that experience any of the evps we got weren't really um didn't really come up with anything okay we did do a spirit box session as well that's where it like jumps through radio frequencies um and we got a couple quick words but nothing that was really like solidified and i don't think that we really stayed in one spot and like tried to communicate long enough long term it was more so like we'd just go around take a look see if we could see something and then we'd end up going home it was just more like an evening walk around okay see what we could see um is this like a known haunted hospital or in like the area in the yes. area okay like it's definitely like that urban legend with all the kids like everyone i grew up with knew what it was yeah. like it was this spooky thing like every time i had someone new come over to visit my apartment i'd be like look that's the old edmonton hospital through my window and they instantly knew what i was talking about okay because it was just everybody knew how horrific that hospital was as well, well. yeah that would be a breeding ground for ghosts wouldn't it yes exactly tuberculosis and then you know the ill treatment of indigenous and then maybe a burial ground and then you're doing renovations waking all that stuff up moving yep. energy around so i lived in the area of this apartment in 2015 and uh, maybe even 2016 early 2015 into 2016 so well 20 years after the hospital had closed and something that i started to really understand at this time was what the residual energies of hauntings can look like when they're that prolific okay tell me more about that so, oh, that's interesting to me something that i and this is just like kind of come from my own experiences living in that area i worked with someone i worked at a tanning salon at the time and the girl that i worked with there as well she lived in my neighborhood so we spoke about the experiences we were having in our homes because oh. we were both having extremely high active paranormal activity in our homes anything nothing i've ever experienced before in my life i wonder if there's even more to the neighborhood itself i genuinely feel that because like i feel that a lot of the stuff when it comes to our like spirituality i don't think that like spirits get stuck to a place I think that there are other entities that will come and haunt a space and then it'll trap those souls there. And I think Well, oh, I don't want to be trapped. Right? It's just <laughs> so silly. Um, I do want to haunt people though. Yeah, haunting would be fun. I haunt your butt so yeah. hard. Just always in there giving me diarrhea. Just like pinworms. Nah, right up that butthole. So I, I really do think that it, it really just like wafted out words from like a radiation yeah like it really just like transpired into other areas of the neighborhood and the experiences that i had in that apartment were the most active paranormal experiences i've ever had they i was so spooked in that apartment i wouldn't do a ghost hunt in my own home okay because i didn't want to like draw attention to it 
And then you don't want to know. No. I'm already know. dealing You're with like, creepy crawlies moving. all over me at night. Yeah. I'm already being eaten alive. Oh, literally. So I just don't really think that that oh, is okay. the best opportunity. So there's three instances that were next level paranormal in that area for us specifically. So we're sitting in the living room. Um, smoking some marijuana. Oh, and this may have been before legalization. Oh, so we have the lights off in the apartment. Oh God, because we that. have these huge windows and no curtains because we're nineteen. Okay, so we have all the lights off. So that if someone's looking in, all they see is the glow of the bowl instead yeah, 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 of yeah, yeah, yeah. us this is smoking like a bong or something like instead who? of just yeah. like um like a joint. Joint, yeah, because yeah. we always smoked out of mainly pipes at that time. So I'm sitting on. the Did couch. you ever smoke out of an apple? Actually, I've never done the apple. I feel like I have. I was a pop can girl or a oh. lung. Did you ever build a lung? I did one time, and then I threw up. I was so violently ill from that, probably at age 16. Never did it again. The first time Kill I me. ever smoked out of a lung was with a really good high school friend of mine. His name was Brody. And, shout uh, out, Brody. Shout out to Brody. And we were like, this weed is laced. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We were so fucked from that lung. It was unreal. I okay. Had, and I had like, I had smoked quite a bit before that. And like, he had definitely smoked before that too. And we were both like, what the fuck are we smoking but do you think that it had anything to do with what you're going to tell me next like uh sh being on shmer shmer right now. like we're already kind of feeling a little whatever well tell me what happens next. so we're sitting in the dark okay i'm in the living room okay my best friend is on one couch i'm on another we had couches that made a little you know corner divot Love it. And then um, my partner at the time and a friend of ours were in the window at the kitchen smoking, blowing the smoke out the window. Mm -hmm. And that window was behind us where we were on the couches. We're all chilling in the dark. They're smoking. We're having a laugh. I think the TV might have been on. Mm -hmm. Maybe some friends playing in the background. Right, yeah. Reruns. Oh. Rip, rip, rip Matthew Perry. Yeah. Um. So yeah, we're just like chilling. The light turned on. Like we're all just smoking and like the, our light switches were like those thick ones you know you kind of feel yes. it flip yes we heard the flip and the light was just on in the hallway and into the kitchen where the oh, boys that's were like a, yeah i can picture the exact sort of switch you're talking about well, it's like where you can yeah you hear it go up yeah because they're old and you could hear it go down yeah so they're, they're all from off. the 80s yeah. or something yeah okay so they're all off and we heard it flip up and the light came on like so spooky i don't like it at all. we were all like what just happened that was so odd um, another experience that we had, the three roommates that I, well, it was, there's three of us who lived there. So, um, my two other roommates and I, we were going to go to a movie one night and our one roommate was just so bad with leaving like the cupboard drawer open all the time. Like if they that went into like a me. cubby, they just left it open. Yeah. And, um, so my one roommate, Alyssa, she was the last one in the apartment. I was working. So I just met them at the movie theater and then her, she took our other roomie and they all went whatever. We get home all together. When we got home, every cupboard and every drawer was open. No. And I'm Alyssa, out. I'm burning it down. And I'm Alyssa moving. was pissed because she was like, stop leaving the freaking door <laughs> open. And she's like slamming them all shut. But then we both go, buddy, you were the last one home. Oh. And it all said into us that like, there's no way 
any of us had done that. Was anything taken or stolen? Do you think? No. In, okay, so no like robbery type. That flights. was our first thought as okay. well because we did unfortunately have like a lot of inner city people sleep in the hallways of our home. There had been people broken into in the apartment like three doors down from us. So at first, when we realized that it wasn't them that left the the doors open, we were like, "Oh, we might have just gotten robbed." Yeah. So what are you robbing? Our dishes? Yeah. Like that was all that was touched was just the cupboard doors and stuff were just like. Open. I love it. No, I do have. Well, I'll save mine for another day. But I do have also a personal ghost story. Oh, but I do have a personal ghost story that has to do with lights. Oh, yeah, spooky, spooky, spooky. Yeah, I'll save that spook for another time. So yeah, just living in that area was negative. Okay. That whole the energy of that area of the city is super negative. The girlfriend that I said I worked with her at the tanning salon. She was experiencing similar things in her home: light activity, things moving, possible like poltergeist activity. And I think it really is just like the heightened sense of like dread and horrificness that happened in that area of the city that just like gives off those negative energies and it wafts itself. Like I could see the hospital from where I live. So I know I was close enough that I do believe what was in my building was from that space. And like you said, a lot of the surrounding buildings would have been for like the nurses, et cetera. So a lot of old architecture that's still in the area hugely so that could be part of it too so it's not just the hospital but it's what's happening in the homes around it Mm -hmm. Mm. spooky spooky so yeah are you gonna go back uh, uh, no okay i mean i i did talk with my friend who i did paranormal investigating with devin love you to bits and pieces shout out devin um shout out to your butt i love to have the opportunity to go in there when it's an apartment. Like if we could find someone who's living there and willing Airbnb to allow us to come shit. in, wouldn't that be just yeah, like next level? Have you seen the new Netflix series? Um, oh God, I can't remember. Uh, Living with the Dead or the... Oh, I think I know exactly what you're talking about. I'm pretty sure I saw that on Netflix. Yeah, it's a group of... I love it because it's a group of queer people. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. It's literally like... um, It's like Queer Eye for the Ghost. Yes, it's done... It's produced by the same people yeah. who produ- produce Queer Eye. Yeah, and it's like five different members of the queer community, and they all have like five different specialties yes. for all yes. of the different paranormal things. Yeah. And I think like a lot of their focus is like helping the people who actually like live in the homes that are yep. going through that stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's not only just like doing some spooky hokey pokey stuff. It's like emotional no. aid as well for the people who feel like they're living in torment. Yeah. And that's literally what like I thought it was too. And I think they really tried to hone in on that. They're like, we're not here just to like make a buck. They're like, we want to try and figure this out for you so that we can help your life be better. Yeah. And they fully believe everybody. And it's it was really good. So yeah. I'm excited yeah. to watch it for yeah. sure. I would Airbnb a spooky fucking apartment with you any day my friend oh man that would be so much fun i would love to sleep in like a really haunted place i am going to palm springs in two weeks with mm-hmm. my friend jenna shout out jenna shout out to your butthole and there is a jail that you can actually spend the night in that's cool i know and if i was going for more than three nights you would i would definitely do that yeah yeah, yeah. no i get it well thanks janelle thanks for spooking me hey anytime Okay, well, if uh, people want to get spooked out by you some more, where should they find you on social media? They can find me on Instagram at Princess Lizard. The A is with a four. And I'm also on Facebook just at Janelle Lapushinsky. Yeah, try and spell that. (laughs) Haha. Nah, nah. Well, you guys can find me at E to the underscore G on Instagram. And you can find our podcast at Instagram 
uh, on Instagram at Secrets of the North underscore podcast, where we share our spooks and our what rhymes with spooks? Books, poops, our poops and our spooks, our, our spooks and our spokes, our spokes and our pokes, ah. butthole. <laughs> I love you. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this energeticcity.ca podcast. Energeticcity.ca is your only local and independent news in Northeast BC. To help keep us independent and to support this podcast, go to energeticcity.ca slash join.